You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest is Mike Arena. He is the co-founder and managing partner of Bala Arena Capital, where he manages the commercial real estate arm of the business alongside his partner, Gino Bala. In addition to this, Mike is also Theta Healing Certified, which is a mind-body technique that uses the energy that flows through all things to produce instantaneous and permanent change at the cellular level. And it's really funny, actually, Mike and I connected like years ago at this communication seminar. And now here we are five, six years later, reconnecting for this podcast. So Mike, thank you so much for being on. Gabby, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it like absolutely blows my mind how people will come into your life, but also will resurface when the time is right. And at least speaking for myself, the mind state that I'm in now and the trajectory of life that I'm working on it only makes sense for us to like connect and work together. So that's timing is everything. I'm really grateful. So thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I know you personally, but can you kind of get into your story? What did you go to school for? What did you do for work? And how did the idea of Bala Arena really come to life? Yeah. So I grew up in a lower middle-class household in Stratford, Connecticut. So in Fairfield County, I went to a private high school and then moved to Manhattanville College. I studied business with a concentration in human resources and majored as well in history, just by chance, right? We had to take certain liberal art credits that were mandated. I loved history, and I was like, oh, I can consume myself with this. And a couple of days before graduation, my advisor said, by the way, your diploma is not going to say this, but you also have this degree. So it was really rewarding there. During college, I struggled greatly with balancing out work, life, also lacrosse. I was an athlete on the team, played professionally for the Vancouver Stealth. But right as the start of what I like to call my first go-around at senior year, I fell into a pretty deep slump with opiate addiction. I was suspended from school. The dean stuck her neck out for me, and I greatly appreciate her for that. It helped save my life. I took a year off, ended up working at a manufacturing plant up in New Haven, Connecticut, found really good grounding for myself and went through a pretty turbulent, I would say, rehab process, very untraditional. And I would not say anyone should just go ahead and do what I've done. But moving forward, I finished out my year strong, finished out playing lacrosse, um, NCAA accepted me back. And from there, I played professionally, came home. And what was really gratifying is that I did have an internship with Indeed.com for what is it, like junior account executives or something along those lines. So I was very, very lucky to get in that program, find out what sales is about. And then I really thought to myself, since they didn't have slots on the team open for hiring after the internship, was what can I do to put myself in a position where I have the typical capitalistic dream of like, what is a label or a brand? that I can stand for myself, which was Staples Business Advantage. That was a really, really good start to sales. It was tough. It was also a little bit easier because it was commodity-based. So I was selling everything from paper, pens, office supplies, not necessarily emotionally gratifying. But at that time, I was working with a startup that was called Connect Lax, now Connect Sports. As I moved through Staples, receiving a promotion, I started thinking to myself, how can I expand my business and sales acumen and really start becoming the sales rep that I know I can be? Looking towards those large brands and logos, I found myself working for Paychex as a business consultant focusing around partnered employment organizations. 
that is where I really started falling out of touch with who I am. I moved to Brooklyn with my now wife, Jill. It was a very tough time for us just because of where we lived and financial things. And I also, and this goes for any salesperson, right? It is the company, but it also is the manager that makes you, right? I can't express that more. Take the job for the manager, not just the benefit yeah. if you're going to take a job. And I went head to head with the individual quite a bit. Um, I didn't have great success there. I, I wasn't motivated. I was not communicating with myself internally. I wasn't in therapy. I was severely depressed. And then I found myself at an opportunity at Reonomy which is a commercial real estate data solution. It aggregates all the building and real estate data, including debt, sales transactions, owners of buildings, and their phone numbers, emails, contact information. That is where my own journey begins, really based off of the fact that I felt like at that moment in time, which I know it's not, right? But it was my only opportunity left to like prove to myself, prove to my family that I am worth something. When in reality... Work is not my worth, right? I define my own worth. I succeeded there tremendously. I had a great first year. I'm moving into the second year. I had knee surgery. That knee surgery actually really, really took me out, not just physically, but also mentally. It, at a very interesting time, helped me and also hurt me by addressing a lot of my mental health issues, things that are trauma-based that haven't been addressed in decades, right? Just festering inside of me. Due to COVID, a lot of our team was let go, including myself. And that was really the starting point of where I said to myself, you know what, regardless of where I land next, I'm starting my own journey. Prior to that, I really started connecting with debt brokers and lenders through Reonomy. And not just building out my own network, but finding great interest in what they were doing. So I almost got to the point where I was feeling that my specialty in selling there was two debt brokers and lenders. Loved facilitating the conversations. I always asked why, like a five-year-old, right? Why? Why, why, why? Through those whys, it really came to the conclusion for me of like, okay, how can I run my own business? Where can I do this? And how can I do this in order to create time for myself? Retire early. I think that's everyone's dream, right? But also like put time back into my life. With that, me and my friend Gino, who is an entrepreneur as well, very intelligent business person. I'm also one of my very, very great friends. We sat down and said, okay, how can we divide this up and really work together on this? We connected with his network, bonded up with my network as well, forming the idea of Ballerina Capital, and then pandemic hits. That's where things kicked into high gear. I'm super grateful for my wife, Jill. She absolutely stepped up and carried the family on her back while I stepped into this journey, which like I couldn't imagine having another partner or couldn't be more grateful for her. When it started to really form was around, I would say like July, July of 2020. And what we were doing is we were communicating with a lender who's based out of New York City. I had connections over on the West Coast with some large multifamily lenders. And I was also being, I would say, mentored by someone I had sold to at Reonomy. At the same time, I am trying to live a uh, unemployment check, put food on the table, work and balance my mental health, which is a big stress, especially when you don't have a job and that was like pulled from you, even when you know it's not what you're worth, but it makes you feel that way, right? It's that capitalistic mindset of you have to work hard in order to be rewarded, when in reality, working on your mind 
really brings things into fruition and allows you to alchemize what once was. That was a very tough time, but in hindsight, making those relationships and keeping those relationships from one job into your own business is something that I would advise anyone to do. Anyone you speak on the phone, this is going out to salespeople specifically, anyone you speak to on the phone, obviously build great rapport, befriend them as much as possible. But you never know, and this is something my dad told me and I never thought I'd be repeating this, but you never know who will come into your future in order to help your business and also partner with. One of the first accounts I sold to has, but has been trying to recruit me for the past two and a half years, right? But that energy and that feeling of like, wow, like someone sees me as someone who could be a part of a team knowing virtually nothing about the truth behind like commercial real estate, right? I was selling the data, but I wasn't really a part of it. Bridging that gap between the two, I was a sponge. I listened to every person. I made phone calls as soon as possible, connected with those individuals I built relationships with, and made sure it carried through. So at the end of the day, if you do treat your clients right, if you do onboard them properly, they will come back and help you as well. And where we stand today, we built the website and our company off of $1,500. So anything is possible, obviously, depending on the business space. But we enlisted our website to be designed by a really good friend of ours, and it really came together beautifully. So now we're operating in the commercial real estate space and in the business funding space, mainly on the business funding side, which is a new venture for us, which we're very excited about, fostering new relationships and reoccurring businesses in the cannabis space. There's an immense amount of opportunity. Cannabis has helped save and change my life, so it's definitely emotional as well. In giving these farmers, giving these organizations just the right amount of leverage to say, hey, if you don't have the funds now, great. But as soon as you get that crop in, we know that you can pay us back. And it's the most secure way for us to really lend, receive residuals, and also see a business grow that potentially we can be advisors for one day. So it's really starting to come to fruition. It's amazing. That's where we are today. Sorry for the long-winded answer. No, but I I think it's really important for people to get the full picture because again, like, a lot of these experts will say like, oh, I knew this all along or like, and it's never like that. And there's always struggle and like major issues and these transformations that happened before, like the light at the end of the tunnel comes together. And even now, like you clearly see where the business is headed in the trajectory you're going, but you're not quite there yet. You see a little bit, it's exciting, but it's not there yet, but that's inspiring. It's helpful for people too, who are like hesitant to get started, which is the whole thing with people's hesitancy to get started. Yeah, that hesitancy is like, Oh, it hangs over your head with such weight. I am a procrastinator by nature. That level of procrastination, if you can take that, what like our household calls like a shadow side, right? Sometimes the things we look down upon or the things that we negatively portray upon ourselves and say, okay, how can I like take that energy and turn it back into something positive worth enriching my life? And I'm actually so aware of those shadow sides of myself that I can actually use that in leverage and growing. And that's where it comes down to like, not just saying like, all right, like keep a positive mindset, but it's like, what fuels my positive mindset? What fuels my negative mindset? And how can I start using phrases, words, mantras, um, manifestations in order to like produce great outcomes from that? And that starts all with like mental health in my opinion. Can you talk about how, obviously you've had a lot of challenges both in business and in your personal life. Like how has therapy and these like meditations and stuff how have you adapted them into your life? And like, how do you make them keep going? And what are some of the benefits? Yeah. 
and speaking to like the more conventional side of things first, which would be like going into therapy, a piece of advice that I would love to share is that sometimes your first therapist you meet will be that therapist. But it took me seeing three different people over the course of a year to land on someone who like is so near and dear to my heart. And I always like hang up the phone with her once a week and I'm like, can we just be best friends? Like, can we? Yeah. Always thinking that. But really there was a lot of, I would call it like frat house energy on the sales floor, which at that time served, right? As I grew mentally and grew out of the role that I was in as a, you know, employee per se, I needed to lean more on myself. Finding therapy and just honing in on your traumas, learning how to literally communicate, right? And being emotionally intelligent absolutely helped me change not only the way that I sell, but like the healthiness within our home. I think when people do go into therapy, what it will do is it'll translate to the home first, but you'll also be way more aware of the energy that other people are putting off. And you'll also put on like a therapy-based lens when you're working with people, right? Not that you're psychoanalyzing all the time, but what it allows you to do is it allows you to make better decisions for yourself, ultimately saying, okay, great. This is someone I want to work with. I'm going to weigh out the pros and cons. But at the end of the day, if I'm not meshing with them on an emotional level, I will not work with them. I will not let someone take energy out of myself just for the sake of another dollar. And that's what therapy has given to me at the business level. For spiritual healing, my wife is a Reiki master. Um, shout out to Jill at Feminine Intuitist on Instagram. She is amazing. She's guiding so many people. Um, her client list is just exploding. So please go check out her page, um, plugging her shamelessly. As a Reiki master, she's channeling specific energies, opening up trauma within my body, which was a really empowering experience for me, right? It opened up a lot of dark doors though. As I mentioned before, like working on your shadow side, journaling, you know, meditating, doing any type of physical work to yoga, which I've just started really getting into and, and feeling good about. All of those things really like boil down to you knowing yourself, you feeling safe with yourself and really knowing that like, wow, I have so much worth and so much within me that can just like grow myself and grow this world that you feel rejuvenated every time in your session. But also you don't just walk away as if you're going to a chiropractor and you're like, oh, my back feels good. You're walking away, you're dehydrated, you're emotionally winded. You are having so many questions running through your head. And when you are what's called cracked, cracked open, you're open, that's when the real healing starts to begin. So as I'm healing myself, business is growing, succeeding in a lot of different roles with the current company that I'm working at, Recapped. And to be quite transparent, I don't think I would be where I am. And I think that I would be running into the same wall, which is frat house style sales floor, right? Loud, music arguably and very true toxic male energy, which thrives in the workplace occasionally, right? But understanding that there is a masculine side and a feminine side to you and having that balance, just because I'm a man doesn't mean I can't have a feminine side, right? Just because someone's a woman doesn't mean there's a masculine side. So for me, finding that balance and not being in fear of my masculine side for what it served me for, right? It doesn't serve me as much now, but that balance is there and thriving. So I'm using that feminine side of myself, which has really opened up through Reiki and Theta Healing, which I know we'll get into later in our conversation. But it's really allowed me to dive into my creative side, open up the lines of conversations that I'm having with people, ultimately fostering better relationships for the business owner and myself. So it's really working out in a beautiful way. 
Yeah. And it's funny too, because I'm finding similarly in business that when I put myself in a better headspace and I focus on mindset and like slowing the fuck down, like really slowing down, being silent so that I can do these like intuitive downloads and like enjoy where I am. I'm actually doing so much better business. Like it's not so much a struggle. It's not an uphill battle. Like the challenges that I think I would have crumbled under, like the pressure I would have buckled under no longer affects me in the way that it did before because of these like types of practices and stuff. I'm sure it's the same way with you. Like, do you have any examples of like challenges that you had with Bala Arena when you were launching the website or trying to figure out things with vendors that those practices specifically helped guide you with or like lend you helpful tools with? Yeah, definitely. And like me and my business partner, we have a, a good balance in between us, but definitely early on, it was too, I have, and I work on it constantly, but like I have a big ego, right? Like I, I genuinely <laughs> do. Like all salespeople do. You kind of have to, you know? Yeah. And like outside of like the facade that sometimes we do, or what used to serve me that I used to like put up, like I'm very strong-minded and confident in what I feel and think. And I'm so lucky to have a business partner who does the same. But we were like butting heads with ideas, just even like simple verbiage on the website. I actually started reading this book um, and maybe we can put this down below, but it helped me out immensely in my personal life and also just communicating with people. It teaches you how to be an empathetic listener, communicator, and it really allows you to hear. So if someone is communicating, and this is my dear business partner, Gino, right? If he is sharing an idea with me and I'm like, my first initial thought is like attack, right? I'm like, oh, that is, and like, this is a hard word to say, but like, oh, that's like not it. Like, no, that's stupid. Like, why would we do that? But like, if I'm listening and I can hear someone and I'm present, what I hear is you're not listening to my idea. I need you to listen to it. So I'm going to say something right now that's going to grab your attention. Over that time of like really hearing him and saying, okay, I'm not working with Gino to the fullest extent of his value because I am constantly getting in the way. And it's me getting in the way saying my ego is bigger. My knowledge is stronger. When in reality, working copacetically and together and finding our avenues in the business that makes sense that is where it is. And that's what happens when we're hurt. We ultimately get what we want. And sometimes it's not what we first thought, but just having the ability to truly hear someone, be empathetic. And at the end of the day, like you have to mirror that empathy towards yourself. So I think to myself, okay, why am I shutting down Gina's idea? Okay. That's because my childhood trauma is based upon not being heard and based upon very specific things that are traumatic for me. Oh, I can find that softness in my heart and say, that's why I'm so quick to not wanting to be wrong is because I was told I was wrong for so long, right? First thing you have to do is like put up that mirror to yourself and be like, why am I not hearing this person? And then once you open your ears and open your third eye, you open your heart, you open up your different chakras that you have, that will ultimately guide you to making better decisions as a business partner. Because a lot of the time, like even when you see these startups, right? You'll see co-founder, you'll see CEO, co-founder, CTO, and you have these like sales-driven CEOs. But what we're seeing in Silicon Valley is like CTOs also like VC firms love that because they don't have that strong head there. So being able to communicate in different minds, whether it's technical, sales, engineering, who cares? Being able to hear someone, but also like reflect your empathy and say, why am I responding this way? Will take your business communication and also your success to a completely different level. 
Now, with that being said, like you're obviously talking about your business partner, but when you deal with investors and you're wondering if you should work with X person or pitch them, like, do you have any key differentiators between like someone that you know you should run for the hills for and like not be with them? And then there's the other side where like, okay, this person's a good person. They might not be communicating effectively, or we may have some headbutting, but I actually need and want to work with them. Do you ever have that? And how's your strategy around selecting the right person? Yeah. I mean, like you do have to put on like your business hat and like look at their portfolio, see what they've done. Commercial real estate is niche enough. And I would like to say, and sorry folks, but like caddy enough where you can like go around and like ask people how they work and how they function. A lot of the time, it's not so much like run from the hills from that person because you can just say no and that's it. But it's more of like, just because they're communicating with me like this, is it how they're speaking to me? that I don't like, or is it how they run their business? Because a lot of the time, voices aren't truly what is speaking. There's also emotions and like being an empath and being able to like read someone's energy. I can tell when someone's afraid and not necessarily aggressive. I can really tell when someone is angry and not actually feeling it for me, but it's directing it at me. So if I can really see and like know that, okay, this person's level of aggression has nothing to do with me. It's very situational and that I'm here, right? I can address that, look at the numbers and also look at the business as a whole and the people I communicate with and make my decision off of that. Because there's times you'll pick up the phone and talk to someone and you're just like, they had a really, really bad day, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, commercial real estate, especially with the pandemic, like, and people aren't working at an office, like it's just a very weird place to be in right now. But I do remember being in my office and I'm surrounded by brokers and like power players as they call them and all this stuff. And it's just, it's a very interesting place to be in when energetically you can feel when they made a good deal because everyone's happy and it's loud and amazing. And then there's other days where they just like the agitation, you could just feel it in the air. It makes you want to vomit. They just don't want to be around any of these people because they had a bad day. And it's like, it's, I love real estate, but it's a fucking, it's a lot. Oh my God. It's a whirlwind. And like, here's like also a tidbit for just salespeople or anyone like communicating in a level of business where there's millions and millions of dollars like on the line to be lost or to be gained, or even like small transactional sales. If someone is meeting you with this like big ego or this like, why are you calling me? When in reality, you're probably calling them to like help them, right? If they're giving you like a level of anger that is like blowing you back through the phone, Stop. And also, this is like fun, but it's effective. And sometimes it works in your favor. Stop and say, I'll just throw a name out there. Be like, Joe, are you okay? Is everything okay? Nine out of 10 times, they're going to open up to you. That one time, they're probably going to hang up. And it's absolutely insane. But you have to match a tone that would reflect positively back to them. So if you say, Mike, like, stop effing calling me. Like, why are you calling me? And I say, well, are you okay? That's not going to work. But if you meet them with like a tone where it's like, hey, are you okay, man? Like, what's going on? That will de-escalate the situation, but you can also get down to the root of the value that you're trying to sell, right? Like reading that energy. And I think that's where a lot of like BDRs and SDRs go wrong in sales where high energy, high pitch, here's my tone, meet me here. When in reality, like, we need to be meeting people and meeting the clients on their level or a level that they can come down to or move up to, right? Yeah. And that's also a great strategy too, because you're coming from a place of people over profit. Like you still obviously want the sale, but you're also like genuinely like curious, like, Hey man, like, 
can I do anything to help you? Like actually authentically, people actually respond better. And the people that you have conversations with, you might not be able to benefit from each other now, but like same thing with my podcast, like people that I briefly spoke to or shown a sliver of kindness. Now all of a sudden they're like in my wheelhouse and I'm using them and they're, you know, we're leveraging each other and it's a wonderful process. I mean, that's literally what's happening here. Yeah, I know. It's wild. I love it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crazy. I like vividly remember like eating in a diner and like thinking to myself and you were there and a couple other folks and I was like, Oh my God, I, I remember the diner. I forgot we went there. Stacey That's so Flynn. funny. Stacey yeah. Flynn, if you hear this, shout out to you, girl. Your dog is so cute. But I yeah, and I'm thinking that. to myself, like, am I going to like remember these people? That group of people is the only group that like I've truly never forgotten. And like, I regret not getting everyone's phone number. But yeah, that was like a really powerful moment for sure. Luckily, we've come back into each other's lives. Like, comes full circle at the end of the day. Yeah, it is pretty cool though. Like, especially. Right. When you're in those like seminars and take, you know, whatever it is, these excursions you go on with these groups and you pay all this money to like advance. There's part of it that seems, seems icky because you naturally should be connecting with each other. But then the other aspect is like, okay, we are both meeting each other at the same level because we both spent this amount of money or this amount of time towards growth. So it's like, okay, I already know that this person, we might not be a match, but at least there's something we have in connection. Like we've both taken the leap into something and that's terrifying because most people don't do that. Exactly. That leap of faith is so bonding and not just speaking to like what we did, but even if you're at seminars, like I'm a part of Revenue Collective, when I see like new members join who are like lower level salespeople, I'm like, wow, good for you. You're paying this monthly fee because you want to like excel in growth and something you love to do, hopefully, what you love to do. You doing that like immediately makes me feel that like I have some type of camaraderie there, right? Where it's like, all right, you're in this too. Like there's something that we can level on. Couldn't agree more. Now that we've talked about like personal growth within the business space, can you talk about more on like data healing and how embracing that type of healing and practices I know it's changed your life a lot. So can you kind of get into that for people who have no idea what it's about? Yeah, so it all it all started in like a really interesting space. So Jill's network of friends and also like fellow healers is like really vast and like stretches over states and countries. It's absolutely wild. Someone that she is very close with and we're actually going to be on a retreat this weekend that my wife is throwing. So her first retreat, very exciting. This guy, Mikey, he practices data. And she was explaining the way that she performs Reiki, just explaining it to him. And he was like, that sounds like a lot like Theta as well. And Jill was like, what is Theta? And it's a newer practice that was like emerging out of the 90s. So I trust my wife essentially with everything. Like I just know if she's like buying into something and says, I think you should. It's not, I think you should. It's You definitely should. If you don't buy in, you're going to miss out. And I don't want to hear about it when you miss out. So we jumped into this training and I knew very little about it. I understood that it was a level of meditation that brings you to a theta wave, right? And what it did for me was it took all of the all of the things that I thought that I wasn't capable of, right? Which was being my own healer, helping other people heal, right? I thought that my shadow side and my trauma would be like damning towards people. I was like, I can't heal people. I can't do it. I will hurt them. Going through that training absolutely changed my mindset and my heart. It's still a challenge. I'm still learning. I'm still growing in that space. But what it did for me is it allowed me to say, okay, like I can actually like present things to myself in meditation 
really get down to the root of what is stopping the sales talk here. What are the roadblocks? What are the roadblocks like that are truly in the way that are so much deeper than just surface level? If I'm presenting myself with, and I'm asking a question to myself and also speaking to my higher self and saying, what is stopping me from like taking the next step in my, my business or like my like passion, my work, my manifestation and like surrounding myself financially with like wealth. Cause like at the end of the day, I, I do want to be wealthy, right? Like I genuinely do. I constantly kept asking myself like muscle related questions, like very yes, no, and muscle testing myself, right? Oh, I love muscle testing. Such an untapped, amazing thing. Oh yeah. So like muscle testing in a nutshell, folks, is when you in general want to say like yes to something, even though the true bodily response is no or vice versa. Um, and you can do that by holding your fingers together and pulling when you are responding, right? Or when the question is asked. So yes, no, or you can do it while you're standing north, south, so front facing north, uh, back facing south. And if you lean forward, yes, if you lean back, no, right? So using your balance on your access. And going through that, like having our instructor who is oh, such a beautiful spirit, Ellen, she's an amazing person. If anyone wants to be connected with her, please reach out. She was asking me this line of questions for a training piece. I am a very, very tricky spirit, apparently, where like I'm very good at shielding, hiding, covering, pushing down different avenues. And what we call it is digging. So like you're asking a line of questions that's really digging down towards like the root and the truth. And getting to those like very deep truths about yourself doesn't just uncover like the simple answer that you have but it opens up your mind to every possibility that's associated with it. It's a physical, it's emotional, it's a spiritual transformation. And ultimately what you're doing is you're rising all the way up to like the seventh plane and you're communicating with a higher power, whatever you would like to call it. Like if someone practices Buddhism, like Buddha, some of the Catholic or whoever, like believes in God or Jesus, right? You are up and you can also ask to communicate with your highest self. That level of speaking to my highest self It is scary because I used to be very comfortable in like a depressed state where I felt safe, but breaking through that depression, which is still here, right? You live with it, you cope with it, you work with it, but being able to speak to your highest self in that theta state really allows you to tap into, okay, like what drives me? What pushes me? I am commanding myself to find out what is my purpose here? What doesn't serve me anymore? And those are a lot of things that I've worked on there. And that's opened me up to saying, okay, great. I'm Theta Healing certified. I don't work on many people yet because I do want to go through the second training and then the highest training, which you I was just going to ask you that. Hey, you taking anyone? I'm here. <laughs> yeah. If anyone wants that, please let me know. More than happy to work with you. But I am in the fall receiving, um, essentially, it would be like a level two, right? So like another level up. Um, and then my goal by the latest this time next year is to be at the highest tier, which is where you can actually certify people. So I would be certifying people in beta healing and also doing practice on my own. This household is crazy filled with energy. I am going to shoot for the stars and be a beta healer. My wife is a spectacular and amazing Reiki master. Having that within your household, a lot of energy and a lot to balance. But at the end of the day, like it's, such a beautiful thing to have. I'm so appreciative of it. Yeah. I have to say, I started doing Reiki sessions about maybe two or three months ago in May, 2020. 
And it's really funny how like for a really long time, I was hesitant to do it because part of you is like shielding yourself. Like, I don't want to get emotional. I don't want to get into this BS. Like, I don't need to be healed. Like all the stubborn things. And also the other thing, if I'm being honest, it is scary when you start tapping into these quote unquote spiritual woo-woo, like non-physical things. And you're just like, wait a minute, what the fuck? No one talks about this. It's terrifying because you're like, holy crap, there's all this power here that I have been sitting on for years and now it's coming up. And especially when you talk to other people, they're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, I don't know how to talk to you about this. But the Reiki stuff I've found has helped me build my business because it's helped me with consistency issues, procrastination issues. The other thing too, is when you leave corporate, you have the conditioning of, you know, work, 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 you know, uh, pushing through. Yeah, exactly. Like all these BS things. And like, there are so many amazing things to take with you when you leave corporate, but that mentality of like doing the work when your body is telling you like, I need to rest or I'm going to like physically collapse is a great thing that I found with Reiki is like, okay, this is my calling. This is what feels good now. I know that's a little bit of human design with like being a manifesting generator, but it's also like, it works then because now I'm finding, okay, if this piece isn't working and I'm waking up every day and it's like giving me stress and like, I want nothing to do with it, then put it to the side. And that's totally fine. I don't need to work on it. I can focus on other things that actually make me feel good. And then that's like when it all flows and it's really fun. It doesn't have to be stressful. Yeah. Flow and grind, grind and flow, flow and grind, however you want to put it. Like there's that, and you're speaking to it so perfectly, like there's that balance. And like, I don't know if you feel the same, but I found it so much easier to work my ass off, like literally like office nine o'clock at night, getting West coast hours, weekend shifts, whatever for someone else's dream. Yeah. Like I found it so easy to implant myself in someone else's dream, which like asking those data-based questions, that line of questioning, it is because I felt unworthy. But now it's like, what do you do with all this work ethic for yourself? And I think like Reiki, at least for myself, helped me find that where it's like, ooh, I get to put that energy into myself. I get to balance that energy. I get to harness it. This isn't for anyone else. I am my own. And I think that's something that we don't see enough in the corporate world where they do talk about I'm probably yelled at by the world from this, but a lot of the, I would say, mental health support that is provided by corporate companies is an absolute facade. It's fucking garbage. It is garbage because once you once you open up your mouth, everyone in HR talks and then you're known as the psychopath or the bitch or the person who fucking off their hinges and they need to be dealt with, right? It becomes this whole thing versus the whole point, which is to help people. And they're coming to you for help because they trust you. That's another reason why I left corporate. I'm like, I cannot deal with these people. No one is real. Like everything's a facade. The way you run business, all about profit. It has absolutely nothing to do with people. Yeah. And this is someone who's like so a near and dear friend to me. And when they said this, it hurt, but I understood it at the corporate level. They were like, I'm so sorry you had to go, but I'm so excited that we can really be friends now. Yeah. And I was just like, it dawned on me. I was like, I knew this the whole time, but like it never like truly, truly like registered. And just because you give us a year long membership to Headspace, why aren't you educating us on like the benefits of meditation? Why aren't you throwing meditation based retreats? I'm sure there are businesses out there where they do this successfully, but they're not on like TechCrunch. They're not on CRE Tech. They're not out there in the public. Bloomberg isn't certainly talking about them and boasting about it, right? Like, those are the companies. And if you're out there, please stand up and raise your hand really fucking high because we need more of you create an infection in the industry. But yeah, I think mental health is talked about at work because legally it has to be talked about. But 
positive and good mental health for an employee is the company's biggest and largest fear. I'm lucky enough right now where I'm working as a full-time employee, like our CEO loves meditation and it's not a front. He does it. He lives it. He's about it. The people on the team are all spiritually in touch. One of the SDR, sales development reps, is Jill's client. And she's worked with a head of customer experience over there who is such a bright and beautiful spirit, Hans, and shout out to Clay as well. It does live within organizations, but when you get to that size of like 50, 60, 100,000 employees, it's absolute a crock of shit. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Yeah, I know. Another thing to stem off that too is the whole notion of like health in general, because I know with even the company I worked for, a bunch of companies, they're happy to provide you with beer. They're happy to give you granola bars, but like, I don't want pizza Fridays. Can I have a salad? Why can't I have my vacation days? Like why, you know, I mean, not that they refuse me vacation, but it's like, right. When you get down to the, what actually helps a body like perform well, it's sleep, good food, as you know, cause I know you and Jill are like kind of going the sustainable route meditation, mental health support, like all these key things. And when people are healthy and happy, they perform better. Like what is the disconnect? I don't understand. Like why is, I mean, I know people have a profit, but you'll actually get more out of your employees if you actually provide them a platform for them to be fucking healthy, not just a gym membership. Like that doesn't do shit. It doesn't do shit. And like, I, if you're okay with me sharing, I have like the perfect story of what is a manager who believes in mental health and what is a manager who does not? And I'm more than happy to share. I will not put names in there, um, but you know who you are and shame on you. And also thank you for the other person. So I lived in Ridgewood, Queens. It is my favorite place in the entire world that is not home, which I live in North Carolina now. Ridgewood did a lot of good. It pulled us out of a lot of different holes, emotionally, mentally. Unfortunately, our neighbor, who we ended up befriending, good people, their apartment caught on fire. And we had railroad-style apartments that were our wall was their wall. And there was brick and, like, nothing bad was going to happen. But we have two dogs. And we both worked in Manhattan, like myself and Jill. So we both get on the train. Luckily, one of our really good friends, Sammy and David, got to the house. I mean, like, busted down our door, literally. Got the dogs out and everything was fine. I told our director of sales at the time and my sales manager, who I will mention his name, Colin, shout out to Colin Callahan, great person, fantastic manager, truly believes in mental health on a real scale. And Colin looks at me and goes, uh, yeah, like, go. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you even talking to me? Like, leave, like, get home. And then the other, you know, the director of sales goes, okay, go. And like, I caught this weird energy of like, does this fool like really think I'm lying to him right now? Like, is this really happening? And I get home, everything's fine. Same as the dogs. Our friend David got her, like, prized possessions out. Everything is okay. No one died. No one's hurt. Great. I'm going to stay home for the rest of the day because I'm traumatized that I thought my dogs were going to be dead. The apartment that we just got was going to burn down. And that my life was shattering, having that feeling on the L train all the way home. Like, that is traumatic. Like, you should not go back to work for the rest of the day or the next day. No, absolutely not. And the only response when I texted over iMessage, I was like, to the director of sales, I was like, hey, everything's okay. Going to hang home for the rest of the day and most likely take tomorrow off. And her response was, oh, are you sure? It's very close to the end of the month. And can you send pictures? What? Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Send photos. 
like, you want me to send? I'm like, and my message back was, how about you just turn on the news? And just like blocked his number for the rest of the day. And was like, that is it. And that for me was like such a groundbreaking moment. And at the time I didn't know this, but that was me literally saying, okay, I'm taking the rest of the day off. I am taking tomorrow off. Didn't know it was for mental health, but my body was saying, dude, yes, like take this off. You need to relax. You are stressed the fuck out. And I was like, fuck you, Al. Everyone listening, like the point of the story is your reality and your mental health is more important than the work ethic that someone is asking for you. If you need to take a day off, you don't say, may I have this day off? You say, I am taking this day off, period. If they ask why you don't want to share, you do not have to share with them. And your reality is yours. Just because someone else's is distorted and they don't want to believe the truth and what's actually happening, you have to shield yourself, let the white light shine to your head and protect yourself from that energy, right? I know it's a lot of negative, 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 but those are like just highlighting on some things of like where people see your value in the workplace. As much as it's projected through pizza parties and <laughs> uncomodals and axe throwing and laser tag, like if I wanted to do that, I would call my sister and her husband and go do those things or like ask Jill if she wants to go axe throwing, right? And I never could comprehend axe throwing for 23 people will say cost. So it costs $1,000. You know, there are like a tremendous amount of public speakers on like work life and mental health balance that would happily accept a $1,000 denomination oh God, to truth. come in and speak at a corporate level. I don't need a lunch and learn to tell me how to like cycle an opportunity in Salesforce. And if you do, like that's cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't need a lunch and learn for that. I don't need a lunch and learn on how to dial through outreach. I don't need a lunch and learn on like what we're doing with our office carpet since it's gross. I want like a lunch and learn where I'm going to walk away and actually learn something and not just have like a bunch of stuff thrown at me that's supposed to be stuck. And if I shout my opinion out, I'm the asshole. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And like shame on the companies that don't push mental health in a true direction rather than just like giving out meditation books when people don't know how to meditate sometimes. That's like very difficult to do for some Oh my God, it like is. You need to educate yeah. there. Yeah, it's very, very difficult to be silent, especially if you're working in corporate and you have a very demanding job. How the fuck do you turn that off if no one tells you? And they're just like, yeah, meditate. And you're like, yeah, but how? Doing what? What do I think about? What do I, where do I sit? How do I sit? Where do I go? Like none of that. Yeah, we have a meditation room. That's like cool and all, but like there's a sales floor above me. Like, what are you talking about? And I guess I'm losing sight of it, but like, yeah, it's crazy. No, but I think these are all questions that people are having while they think about their own lifetime. Like basically, if they're making a decision to like leaving a company, staying, maybe coming up with a different strategy, whatever it is, you know, they're very real things that are happening right now. But I do think that generally speaking, especially with COVID, things are shifting very, very quickly because we just generally as, I don't know if it's just millennials and Gen Zs, but we are fucking sick of all this shit. So sick of it. It's, it's one thing to be given messaging that is misleading and it's obviously misleading, right? And like the whole world knows that like, oh, like that seems like bad, but there's like people buying into like such horrible things right now. And it's all for like the greed of a dollar and the growth of like just personal like wealth at the expense of like the world's mental health, right? And that's just an unfair baseline. 
Couldn't agree more. I think that's like, it's a double-edged sword with the internet and social media. Like you have people who genuinely want to make an impact and yes, that costs money to work with them or purchase their services, products, whatever. But then you have the assholes who are leveraging the young entrepreneur who really doesn't have that much money, who's going to spend five grand to be in a business mastermind. And then you just basically take it and do nothing with it. Or like, yeah, do drop shipping. And it's like, (laughs) spend a hundred dollars and I'll teach you everything. And it's like, you think it's going to be a get rich quick scheme and it's actual garbage, whatever it is. Like it doesn't even have to be like that, but what a time to be alive. <laughs> I fell into that pitfall so heavily, like so, so heavily at the beginning of COVID. And let me just tell you guys, there is no get rich quick scheme besides, and I don't suggest you do this besides winning the lottery. Yeah. Basically there's no get rich quick scheme. Doesn't work. And also like historically robbing banks, not great. Yeah. I mean, really the only, if you call it even a get rich quick scheme is consistency. Like that is the only thing you can hundred percent bank on is that if you do the same thing every single day in three months time, things are going to be very, very different. And that's not quick in the sense of 24 hours, but three months is a very short amount of time to do whatever it is you're doing. 90 days. Yeah. Literally 90 days. Absolutely insane. I think that brings up like a good point. Like it's not necessarily get rich quick, but it's like acquiring all of the things that you have in your control that can put you in that position, in that mindset in order to like execute on. I think that when I started my business or we started our business, me and Gino, I had like maybe two out of 10 pieces if we wanted to call it 10. I knew I had great sales acumen and business acumen, which I see as one. And I also had like grit. And I know that's like true capitalistic terminology, but like there is, a put your nose to the grindstone type of thing that comes out of me. And it's like that true masculine side of like, I am here. This is now I'm doing it. And once you like break into that for yourself, which is a hard code to break because of generations and generations of working for other people, finding you work in corporate America. I think once you crack that code of like, okay, I'm waking up for myself and doing this for myself, anything that you put your mind to you can absolutely accomplish no matter the time slot. Agreed. And it ends up usually transpiring a lot quicker than you would have thought, typically. (laughs) At least I find. Yeah, my wife's business is like, it's like a rocket ship. It's like idea, certification, business. And it's not just Bezos in a cowboy hat, which no one wants to see. Trust me. (laughs) I was just going to say, did you see his penis-shaped rocket ship yesterday? (laughs) That... It's all the memes all over social. I was like staring at it and I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm watching the intro or like the exiting credits of like super bad where there's all like the penis drawings that people like put up. And I'm just like, is this guy serious? Like, how do you not know that this is going to get like news media? And if that was his plan all along, shout out to Jeff Bezos on that one singular funny Hey, I mean, look, marketing, like what do they say? Bad publicity is still publicity got to market yourself. I mean, maybe I, I don't really think he needs you. Everyone uses Amazon, but still it's, it's hilarious. The only thing the thing, you know, I've refreshed my social media screen in the morning. And the first thing that pops up is a fucking missile launch. that looks like a dick. Like, cool. I like it. <laughs> Let's do whatever. Like, Oh my God. I'm just like, what is going on right now? No, but I mean, dude, I know we digress on this, but like space is really cool. Oh, it's going to be really, really awesome. when we can like generally the general population can actually go there. It's going to be wild. It drives me nuts how much money is spent on it and how much shit is wasted. That cripples me emotionally. I'm like, come on, like give that shit away, please. Yeah, right. 
Hopefully it's for the greater good, but (laughs) this has been really awesome. I know we talked about like so many things, but I like to wrap up each podcast with asking a guest the same question. It's if you could give advice to your younger self, you know, young Mike, what would it be? If I had to give advice to young Mike, I probably would go down the route of advice. Find a therapist that works for you. That's it. Like find your own therapist. I want to like tell my younger self, get into this, do that, find this, like start your own business earlier. No, work on your mental health right out the gate. Find that therapist, keep it to yourself, keep them close to your heart and listen to what they have to say and work with it. That would be the singular advice I would give. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. I'm very excited about this. I think we covered a lot of different topics and you are a very good storyteller, clearly, because you're in sales. So I think people are going to be really thrilled about that too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, my pleasure.